Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome Two. And I'm really excited again uh, to episode two of Light in the Morning podcast. And I'm excited to welcome the program, the host, uh, Margo Lemark. Margo, how are you? And happy new I'm year. I'm fine. Thank you. Happy new year to you also, Neil. Oh, you know what? When we talk about specifically the book, we kind of had an overview of your reason for writing the book in episode one. And we really learned that, yes, there are specific chapters talking about how we remember that loved one. But one of your hopes of this is to not wait till you're close to dying to become and live in legacy. So kind of explain to me in a lot of ways, Margaret, was what we'll take you back is for 2021, how can we start to make changes so that we can be remembered uh, right now and do great things now? Because at all at one point in time, we're all going to die. So we got to start working right now. That's exactly right. I think it, I think it's a very important topic because the only thing we can do in life is make ourselves a better person. There, there's not much else we can do, and we can stand for things and vote for things that we can do all kinds of other things. But the main thing we do in life is we become the most we can be. And I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's that because people are disappearing right before our eyes. My cousin died a few days ago. I just got a call yesterday. He's gone. I will never see him again. Yeah. And so this reality is becoming so apparent and so real for so many people. And what it forces us to do is live in the moment and make our moment as rich and wonderful and full of integrity and um, reflecting who we are as much as possible. And, you know, we, we can we can start right this second, and, and we should, <laughs> you know, by forgiving people around us, by not holding grudges, by really talking out our side of things so people understand we're all very different. And the more we can come together with people around us that think differently than we do, the more our country can. And if we can't do it, we can't expect our country can, to. You know, we're so divided right now. And and it's because people act in a divided way. <laughs> and if we could sit and talk with each other with open hearts and open ears and really hear what they're saying and really try to put ourselves in their shoes, I think we could think very differently about things. It wouldn't change who we are, but we could appreciate the other point of view and appreciate other people and exactly yeah start living a, a full life rather than this kind of hateful divided life that we're living because it when we're when we're lying there in our deathbed that is not going to have meant a thing what is going to have meant something is that we have resolved that with people or we have become a bigger person and we have looked at ourselves and grown and given people the um the 
the benefit of the doubt and, you know, all of these things that's up for the country and it's up for us and it's up with COVID as people die around us daily. So it's a big subject, isn't it? Yeah. Live in the moment. And I think and I wanted to kind of talk to you about that in so many ways, because the fact is that we can allow our our bodies to feel really just upset all the time. We could just choose something politically. We could choose something politically. We could choose something of working with a colleague or a client that's up made us angry or, or somebody just, just got on our nerves and we're going to just let that grudge go all day instead of live for this day. And how can exactly. I make this day the best day possible? It, kind of explain that. I mean, just today, you know, cause tomorrow yeah. might not come. So we got yeah, exactly, live, live, yeah, exactly. So yeah. Live for today, because yeah, exactly. really tomorrow may not. We don't know, you know. And next Wednesday may not. <laughs> I mean, seriously, we are we it, we never know what's going to happen. And so here here's here's the thing, um, you know. I I have um, I've had a lot of spiritual teachers, really great gurus and great thinkers and philosophers. And I, I've just done a lot of um, work in that area in my life. And I remember one great teacher telling me that um, we are we have to be fed as human beings. We are constantly feeding ourselves. And if we don't feed our body, we're going to die. But there's something so much greater and so much more than just the food we eat. And it's what we metabolize and digest from every level from our thoughts from what we we expose ourselves to from the people we're around from the the news or the movies we watch all of that we are metabolizing all of that and if we really want to be healthy it's it's not that you ignore all of that completely you, you don't sit on a mountaintop and get enlightened right, you, exactly, you get enlightened yeah. by living in the yes. world but you know Neil, we have choices every single minute of our life as to what we are going to allow into our little atmosphere and what we are going to metabolize into our being. So what we feed ourselves on a daily basis is our choice. And we should really look at that and we should really choose wisely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, choose wisely is such a great point because uh, we can, there's so many different things that could distract us. There's so many things that we can do, but, uh, uh how do you Margo stay focused in that? Because there's all the distractions from social media, distractions from the things around us that, Hey, I'm going to live today really well. I'm going to be waking when I get ready to, you know, go to bed and go to sleep. I'm going to say, wow, I lived my best day. Possibly. Right. One thing I have actually done because, and it's it's just appropriate to bring it up now because of all the news. Um, I have trained myself to watch both sides of the news, but I only watch it for a very. I don't sit there and watch it all day, you know, or all night or something. I just, I have, I put myself on a news fast where I, I I'll watch it, but I'll watch both sides because I want to hear what the other side is saying. I want to know what everybody how everybody feels and what people are hearing, and, and what's going on really, you know. If you just always hear your own side, then 
then there you go. But that's what I do. I've limited the what I consider now as real negativity, which is any news you hear. There's just really not very much that's positive out there. So I limit myself on that. And at night I'll say to Steve, let's watch a let's watch a movie and we watch something really uplifting or some really cool comedy or or something. You know, and I, I in terms of what I bring in visually like that, I I am really monitoring. And um, I actually have taken myself off of social media a lot just because, well, first of all, I'm busy. I, I, I'm usually on Facebook and I, I haven't been for a while because I'm busy selling real <laughs> yes. estate. But but, you know, I, I, I limit that, too. And I really focus. I, I keep saying to my friends, we just have to keep our life beautiful. You know, be around the friends you love. And now we can't even be around those friends, but call them. You know, my friend sent me um, a text the other day. She says, I challenge you to dance. And she did this little video of herself dancing. It made me so happy. I got up and I danced and I haven't sent that back to her yet, but I have to send my challenge back. And there's just so many things you can do to remember your friends and be with them and, and really focus on the joy of life. And I think it's absolutely as important as any food we put into our body is, is how we kind of entertain ourselves. So true. How we entertain ourselves is such an important part of what, what you talk about and how we um, find our joy, our happiness. You see, yes. uh, so this is a great question to ask. Again, I know you're a spiritual person, but you know, a lot of times our happiness doesn't matter. The person, ourselves. And I disagree because I think that if you try to live that martyrdom of a life where you're not happy as a person, then people around you won't be happy and you really aren't bringing joy to anyone then. Right. Right. Oh, our happiness is the most important thing. <laughs> it is the most important thing because um, happiness is the basis of health. If you're not happy, those thoughts are going to create something not happy in you. And I think everything on every level is very connected. So the happy we, happier we are and the more inner joy and love and acceptance and all those good qualities, all of that that we can feel, we radiate that. And when we radiate that, we're like a little radio wave out there. It affects everybody. Everything affects everybody. You know, the, the microcosm is, is, is the macrocosm. It's the same, you know. And so if you can take your little microcosm of your being, which is so great, <laughs> and make it wonderful and happy and full and radiant, you are going to have that effect around you. You know, you know have you ever gone into a, walked into a room where somebody was just in there and they had a fight? And you walk in there and you're like, oh, my God, what happened? <laughs> yes. You could just cut yes. that you air with it. a you knife. Feel it. You feel the tension. Yes. Yeah, Such, you so, feel so, it. And, and you kind of want to walk out. You go, oh, God, I, I'll be back. <laughs> I'll come I want to go back later. to work. You, I want to go back yeah. to work because when I do my job, <laughs> I love it. And be in the, yeah, exactly. exactly. Dealing with this tension. Why are we allowing ourselves to have that tension? Great point. Exactly. And so if you can radi radiate the opposite of that, you are doing the best you can do for the whole world, for the whole universe, because everything radiates out. It's like that little ripple in the pond and your ripple has its effect. And um, so I think that's the most important thing we can do is truly be happy. It's not yeah, when definitely. you're happy. It doesn't mean you're not compassionate. It doesn't mean exactly. you don't feel no, empathy for the, right. you know, you yeah. think of the, the most happiest people, let's say spiritually, what the Dalai Lama, you look at certain people, the Pope, you look at certain people, you know, certain 
you know, certain spiritual groups, certain people that, you know, have that inner peace to them. That's what we should want because guess That's what? Right. And they're, their days are very busy. I, I never did a research on the Dalai Lama and his daily schedule, but they're constantly meeting people. They're constantly could have stress. They constantly have different things. The the gurus of meditation and, you know, of different, yeah. the, different the, the Sikhs and whatever, you know, all yeah. these different people, but they're always joyful. How yes. can we live that? Because again, if we don't feel joyful, we don't, we don't exhibit that in our job. And then it drains us and we're, we're, we're pessimistic, not optimistic, and we aren't able to roll with the punches. Yeah, we're just bummers. You know, we're a bummer to be around. We're, you know, we're like Scrooges that walk around if we don't have that inner joy. And and people aren't going to, you're not gonna, going to attract the good things that joy attracts. And yes, I agree with you. Um, really, truly spiritual people and some spiritual people aren't really very spiritual if you know what i mean you know i think there's some religious yes, people that aren't yes, really very no, religious no. and you know but if you really truly are you have a deep inner peace that you have found from going within to your own center of your being rather than just counting on the outside to bring you happiness you find it from within that's where it really resides and when you can find that you you're you're a light bulb. You're just radiant and people want to be around you and they want what you want and it spreads and you know light spreads so easily. It just it's the most wonderful thing. You want to sit in a dark room with no, no light bulbs on or all. you want to turn that big light bulb on, you know. <laughs> so you got this great awakening by writing the book or t- the reason you wrote the book is the awakening, understanding to remember someone's life after death, but it teaches us that every moment counts. So I think that, I think that what we can talk about next episode is really how do we roll with tough times, difficult times in our lives and keep that inner peace through it because you've kind of given us a game plan to our next episode to go ahead and live each day. Like it's our last. Well now, okay, we tried doing that and we failed. What do we do next? And in episode three, I think we need to talk about that. I think okay. that would be great. I'm, I'm all in. All right. So again, light in the morning uh, uh, podcast, but also the website. Where can people go to purchase the book right now? Tell us. They can go to Amazon.com, light in the morning, memoirs of an undertaker's daughter. All right. Fantastic. And then it was a great episode of light in the morning podcast. And uh, thanks again, Margo. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Neil. All right, guys, that was Live in the Morning Podcast. Take care, everybody. All right. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses 
HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the COVID-19 Vaccine Show. And I'm excited to welcome the host of the show, Dr. Mark Hayden. Uh, Dr. Mark, how are you? And thanks for a uh, happy new year. Hey, it's great. It's great to be here with you. Absolutely. You know, Dr. Mark, I am just uh, just blown away by the uh this is the feedback of the COVID-19 vaccine show, how people really uh, are glad the information you're able to bring. And especially when we're seeing different things on the vaccine. Now the vaccine layout has uh, come out, uh, you know, more and more people are getting vaccinated, not just the elderly and frontline workers, but somehow other people are getting in front of the line, I'd say, uh, Dr. Mark. But what have you been hearing about, uh, particularly enough, just the vaccine in itself, meaning the side effects? Well, you really, the more series of shots you get, the more sensitive you get to that virus. And so with every repeat dose, you will become more and more reactive or sensitive to it. And some of those reactions are going to be severe in young people. So the sooner they move to the second round of shots on Moderna or Pfizer, you'll hear stories on Facebook of some people having the body aches, the chills, the muscle aches, the, the fevers, the local tenderness. And fortunately, you, those people only get the second round of shots, one shot, then followed by a second shot. But if they were to get a third or fourth, they would even get more sensitive to it. Now, um, you know, so so that's so one. Now we're hearing this out. There's a little spin going on here in in the media. And that is they suddenly talk about maybe delaying the second shot. Well, one of the reasons they want to delay is they don't want news of people having severe reactions to the second shot. Exactly. I mean, that's it. But that's okay, too. I, I mean, uh, and probably, I'll be honest with you, it may be that one shot in, in older people is probably uh, all that, all, you know, it might do as, good, as much good for them at reducing symptoms as two shots. They, they really didn't separate the studies out. They didn't study that. And, and, you know, I did have my, uh, but at any rate, you, you, you asked the next question. Okay. So based on the reaction of the virus, that the vaccine, that's understandable. And if they only lay out one, then there's going to be less reaction. But what about the effectiveness of just one dose? You know, when the FDA approved Pfizer and Moderna, they only said that it may be effective seven days after the second shot. That was in their official read. I mean, that was in the official FDA uh, emergency use authorization. But it's it's really, you know, I don't want to call all these people guinea pigs. Uh, the FDA's idea was that something was better than nothing, and that, uh, and I sure wouldn't want young people to be guinea pigs because they have a long life expectancy. Okay, so 
But I don't disagree with older people that are like 70, 80 years old. If they don't have any other options, if, if that's if that's what they want to do, I think it's fine. But but, uh, you know, it was never proposed as a solution to stop transmission anyway. They never said the FDA never said that it stops transmissibility. It was really designed for high. It was its best application was in high risk groups for them to take two shots. And seven days after that, they could uh, they might have a reduced symptoms or and it was never re really proven reduced mortality. But at least they might have shorter symptoms or less symptoms. So why, bring, why don't, Dr. Mark, why don't they bring that out? They say it's an effective vo uh, vaccine, but yet they're not telling people really they're not protected. OK. Until, yeah. You know. Look, if I put, if I, if I'm going to charge you $2,000 to put shingles on your house and your house has a 2000 square foot of shingles and I go and put 50 feet of shingles on your roof, guess what? I've covered a small 5% area of your roof. I can say my shingles are effective at keeping rain out of your house. They are, but they only cover a small part of it. These things were about the testing was done by Pfizer and Moderna. It wasn't done independently in, by the FDA. The testing is for Moderna and Pfizer are for-profit companies. And look, we have stockholders that need that money. I mean, those stockholders, those board members, they help, you know, those go to pension funds, et cetera. This is about, it's about, it's about business. And at the time, the FDA rationalized something's better than nothing. Okay, I mean that's that was the idea and the logic behind that. Well, understandable, uh, for sure. Uh, so let's kind of let's 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 uh, delve delve into specifically enough uh, the the vaccine and the fact is should people get the vaccine? What's your recommendation? Not recommendation, but what's your thought process? Well, people say they don't want to get it. Let me tell you what I can't. First of all, I can't give them medical advice, but I can tell you what I do for my own family. My father-in-law was, he's an old man. My parents are actually passed on, which is sad. My mom died at 11. My dad died just a few years ago. And if my parents were alive, I would, I would, I would be testing them very regularly and get them to do auto inoculation because I would not be busted by the board for recommending that to them. Now, I have children. I have three children, one daughter and two, two sons. My daughter's, uh, because she's young, she hadn't had children yet. And my son has not had children. And they, I hope they live long, productive lives. I don't want them getting any vaccine that's the latest on the market. They need to leave the, 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 the uh, testing up to uh, other people. Let's just put it that way. When it comes to my family, my young people in my family, my children, safety first. And they're in a group that are not at high risk for death anyway. And my son is exposed constantly to COVID because he's collecting swabs and he's never gotten COVID. And he just wears, often wears a shield. I mean, yes. Uh, so my son is, 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 is basically immune. And actually my son has, has done inoculation, oral inoculation himself. So, you know, for himself, because he knows how it works. And so, uh, but I have a son too that's 15. I'm not going to take him down. Now, if it becomes mandatory and they threaten to, to shoot my son or, or, or throw my son or me in jail, I'll probably sign let him get the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine. But, but my son is not, 
his risk of death is like one in 10,000. So no, I don't want something that is not thoroughly tested for, for him. Now, I had a friend of mine who was a physician and he called me and he asked me about his daughter that was about 34. And he said, what should I get for her? And here's what I told him. I said, you're an old friend of mine, you're a buddy. He's about 80 years old, 80, I think he's 84 now. But um, I said, you know, if you wanna get Moderna or Pfizer, there's, there's no harm in it for old people. I do not believe that old people that are 80 years old are gonna be harmed much at all, at all by uh, Moderna or Pfizer. They are not gonna get a bunch of harm. They might, and I might get some help from it. It's not as good as actually the, the naturally acquired intestinal immunity, but they'll get, might get some. Uh, but should he get his daughter who hasn't had children, to, who has a long life expectancy to, to have any, she is in a low risk group. Her rate of death is one in 10,000, even if she was to get it. Hey, should she be a guinea pig? She has to weigh risk and benefits. And, and that, you know, that's a risk benefit analysis. And that needs to be done by a physician. They didn't involve physicians. R look at these mass vaccine programs. They were all about getting, forcing everybody to comply. One solution, any solution offered to a free, free person who thinks for themselves, needs an expert to weigh the benefits and the risk and explain those in detail to the person making the decision. Right. You know, you, Neil, you're about, I'm guessing, you know, don't have to tell me your exact age, 45, 45, something. 48, 48, 48. Well, I missed you by three years. But, and, and, you know, hey, you look younger, young for your age. So that's good. But you need to, that is a personal choice for you to get vaccinated or not. You should be able to turn to a physician and that physician should basically be well-educated on that, that virus. And he should be allowed to get his own data from whatever sources he sees fit. And he should be protected from his recommendations to you. He should have immunity and he should be able to talk to you in plain terms and say, you know, Neil, your rate of death is probably less than one in a thousand. You've had all your children, Neil. I'm guessing you had. You're married. I assume you're yes, married. Yes, yes, yes. We have right? we, we prior done. Yes. Having right. Children, yes. So, you know, uh, they will have AstraZeneca will be approved in this country and the uh, uh, adenoviruses will be approved. If you want an IM vaccine, you can always get that uh, later when, when some of the others are out. Okay. So for your, you're kind of in a gray area. You, 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 I mean, there's a lot of things you need to consider, but ultimately that's your choice. Do you find me? And I don't think it should be taken away from you, but you should be counseled in that choice by your local physician and what they have done in this entire process is they've taken local physicians out of counseling out of medical recommendation they just want you to depend on media and the media has its own slant because they run on hey have you noticed all the pharmaceutical ads on media yes they are not unbiased and the pharmaceutical companies have immunity meaning that even if they knowingly did you harm or were negligent, they will not be held liable. I don't get that as a doctor. You know, I made all kinds of decisions for 20 or 30 years. I could face a jury. 
they will never face a jury. They're protected. They're the special folks. They're above it all. And why? I mean, it, it just, it, um, I mean, it, uh, you, people are smart. They, they, they can figure it out. That's good. So let's go to the, the, the point of the matter. We talked really talking about the vaccine. Uh, do you believe it should be mandatory uh, for the vaccine? Or do you think that the vaccine is going to become mandatory to do certain things and go certain places and things like that? Here's what you have to be a realist. Okay. We, if they can make it mandatory in the same week, for everybody on planet earth to get a vaccine and guarantee you base and bet their life that it will stamp out that epidemic by vaccinating everybody, all 7 billion people around the world, then, then do it. But they're not going to do that. Even if you vaccinated everyone in America, 300 million people, that's 6.7 billion people that ain't vaccinated that the strain will become even more spreadable. And sooner or later, that's the more spreadable strain is going to come through here. Well, but to, by the time the more spreadable strain comes through here, you'll at least have partial immunity, probably because the antibodies to the initial strain will at least partially defend you to the new strain. So I think this, is, this pandemic, coronavirus, 99% accurate. It will still be here in very large numbers. It will be here to stay, which is what some of the top virologists say as well. It's not going to be stamped out. It's going to be here. It's going to mutate into other forms. And here's what they don't promise you. They don't show what the effect is going to be on on the new strain. They don't show what the long-term effects are. Now, if you only got six months to live you don't care about long-term effects okay so and there's a lot of people in nursing homes should it be mandatory for people in nursing homes yes and i think that people in nursing homes have nothing to well I, I, that's not that that sounds bad politically um i was going to say they value their life they're living important days but their their risk their benefit to the risk is way in favor of mandatorily vaccinating every nursing home patient in the United States with that vaccine. And people that are, are with whatever's available and people that are in extremely high risk, are they something is better than nothing? So if they didn't have any other solutions to them, they weren't looking at auto inoculation or people breathing virus on their food or anything else, then should somebody who has a very high risk of death greater than, let's say, 1, 1, 1.5%, should they take it? Yes. But if they're taking that virus to transmission, they're themselves. Because that's not, transmission will still occur, and it will still be widespread. All right. So I'm glad what we covered in this uh, podcast is really want to stick to COVID-19 vaccines. So I think what we need to look at, specifically enough, maybe other countries. What are they doing with a vaccine? What other countries? So maybe, Mark, we can introduce that next week on the show to really look at the people that that have had effective uh, treatment of COVID-19. Are they using a vaccine? Are they considering a vaccine? All important things. Because what I'm hearing is people hear the word, the COVID-19 vaccine show, 
it's all about vaccines, but, and, uh, you, but you can catch up with a lot of other stuff you do by following your social media, going to different places. Uh, you did a really interesting talk today, uh, regarding rapid testing, but Dr. Mark Hayden official look at Dr. Mark Hayden. It's all over the place. And, uh, uh, people need to catch up all the different episodes of the COVID-19 vaccine show because you've been spot on so far and we'll see what happens. But your hope is an oral vaccine, especially ones for countries that are very poor that cannot afford a vaccine. There's an easy way to do it. Right, Mark? There, is, there actually is. You know, um, there's a company, Vaxart, that actually makes a pill based on adenovirus that's going to be swallowable. And it's going to be useful for both the flu as well as uh, SARS-CoV-2. The FDA has sort of dragged feet on that. And I'm not, I'm not I, you know, FDA certainly is not a fan of me, nor is the CDC a big fan of me. But let me tell you, I actually invested in Vaxart. Uh, I believe that they do have best pharma solution. They are small pharma. They're not big pharma. But they actually having an oral agent that's easy to swallow that 90%, actually what I said before, if you had a pill, a Vaxart pill for 7 billion people and you got them to everybody on the same day and it was specific for that particular virus, we could probably have a much better chance of eliminating. Does that make sense? We could all swallow a pill that day. Makes sense. And that, and that's, and that is doable. This idea of, of taking frozen Pfizer and frozen Moderna to the Sahara Desert, <laughs> that ain't fly. Okay, I, you know, you're not going to save the world or stop the transmission of. But it wasn't. It shouldn't have been. It was never designed. Well, I don't know how it was spun, but it, it's Pfizer will and Moderna will, will not stop the worldwide spread of the virus. And, and some of the countries are using that. And we can go into that on our next show. But, All right. Well, but yeah. looking forward to it. Thanks again. But two websites to go to. Yes. Go and, and understanding helps people. Understanding helps eliminate fear. And, you know, I want to also put in here that I try to count my days and make my days count. The reason you're alive is because God has a purpose for you. And every day is a gift. So if you have time, please go to my websites, www.digestive, D-I-G-E-S-T-I-V-E, COVID, C-O-V-I-D.com. The other one is www.antivirus, air, A-N-T-I-V-I-R-U-S, air.com. The other place that you can, and you can see me, actually swallowing live virus is virus air a-n-t-i-v-i-r-u-s air at on youtube so so click on some of my videos you can actually see me swallowing live virus and and you know we have every day's a gift and our understanding can help stamp out fear and we need to we need to consider this this does involve people from all countries and and it really involves very much testing and we need to have simple easy solutions for for the poor not just not just for wealthy countries but things and we have to look at the bigger picture i appreciate the chance to speak to you today neil i appreciate the interest of your of your community 
and and, and I, we can together we can work for a better world. And that's not just for coronavirus, but that's on so many issues. Thank you, Neil. All and right. Thank you for All right. Thanks. Thanks again, Dr. Mark. Take care. And we'll, that was again the COVID-19 vaccine show. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rob Roselli Show. I'm excited to welcome to the program, Rob Roselli. Rob, how are you? Happy New Year, and uh, today's a big day. Yeah, I'm good, Neil. Happy New Year. Yeah, today is a big day, but it looks like looks like we're going to have President Biden as long as he can last, and Vice President Harris, who will soon be president. I mean, that's obvious. Anybody can see that one coming. Biden will be kicked out of the White House soon enough, and then we'll have the ultra-liberal Harris in as president, and this country just, it can't survive. It, it just, it's just financially, and we've talked about this in the past with the Federal Reserve System, that the amount of money these people want to spend in the so-called stimulus that just passed, this, it, the financial system is going to collapse. It has to, mathematically, it has to. And I don't think people are doing this on purpose or they're just that's too stupid to realize it. But it's just, it just can't. What they want to do cannot be sustained. I completely agree with you. I mean, uh, the the stimulus has been, again, the government rollout of this has shown that the government does not work, especially the IRS as people are getting it sent to the wrong bank accounts, uh, people are getting uh, being told that if you don't get your stimulus, file your taxes now, which, again, so the money that they said they spent could go back to the IRS, Rob. And ultimately, this was just, again, a another take care of certain people type of situation. And then all this money and more debt for us. So you say there's no reason to keep putting more money out than it sounds like. Well, it's all a ruse. I mean, like I think we talked about this on the past shows. I mean, the, the stimulus bill was what, $900 billion or something like that. And, and mathematically, even at 600 bucks a pop, like $120 billion of it or around 10% of it goes to the American citizens and, and 90% of it goes to the Sri Lankan Navy and and gender study programs in Pakistan and wherever else they're sending all this, this billions and billions of dollars and we get stuck paying the tab even while President Trump is still president. So if you think it's bad now, just wait until Biden and Harris get in there and, and things are going to get exponentially worse. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's just, uh, we're going to find out. We're going to find out what happens if Biden is going to decide not to listen to Harris and the and the uh and just run a pork 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 type of presidency where there's payout after payout or is he going to really take the liberal agenda 
and we're going to find that very soon. So today, there's no, you don't see anything happening where there's an argument on the court floor and that Biden does not get the certified get certified today. No, there's nothing. There's nothing stopping us at this point. I don't believe and all these people talking about Trump's this and that's got something up his sleeve and this and that. I, I don't I don't think there's anything. I mean, unless there's some big surprise. Yeah, sometime today. Uh, which I don't foresee. It looks like looks like Biden stole the presidency or, or the minions behind Biden. I mean, Biden's just a front man. He's just a putz, you know, to throw out there just just to you know appease the the so-called conservative Democrats. That that's all Biden is. But as soon as it's convenient, he'll be gone, and Harris will be president, and, or some other liberal wacko ready to spend this country into oblivion bankrupt the United States and merge us into this so-called new world order or this great reset is really what's happening here behind the scenes. Although it's not really behind the scenes anymore. It's pretty obvious that this, this is what's going on at this exactly. point. Yeah. Um, and more government shutdowns, a complete shutdown of the country possibly could happen. It sounds like. Well, well, a complete shutdown. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I mean, you know, they had government shutdowns. I'm talking about complete financial collapse just because you can't sustain all this debt that these people want to, these people want to put on the table. I mean, they're talking about, you know, all these illegal immigrants becoming citizens and benefits for illegal immigrants and this and that and, and more welfare benefits and this and that. And it just mathematically, it just cannot be sustained it's going to hit its breaking point and then they're going to force the economy into collapse like we just mentioned and and then who knows what's going to happen it's it's really it's it's scary what's 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 coming down the pike here very soon it definitely seems like it's scary and and what what, what can we do there's nothing we could do except pray about it and and really uh focus on what can happen and hope that we could get the word out, right, Rob? Because, and, and you said, again, the major thing is turn to God at this time, but also what else can we do? Uh, it's like, this is like an out of control freight train, Neil. I'm not sure there's anything we can do. I mean, as I just mentioned, you know, even while Trump is president, we still got this stimulus bill scam that was supposed to help the American people. And as you just mentioned, I mean, people aren't getting a, their the stimulus check. So it's only six hundred dollars to begin with, which is Let's really nothing. Four different things, and it's a couple. It's a little bit more money, but what if those people were expecting it, and they were business owners or something, and maybe they're the ones that said the government's like, you know, we're only we they get tax write offs, they make enough. We're gonna just pick and choose who gets their money. It's just what it sounds like's happened. If you did a Google search, you'd see that, which is unfair where oh yeah if you were just a teacher and hey here's your six hundred dollars go you know go to bed bath and beyond i'm being honest with you or or go and you know treat treat the family to a uh a to something right i'm just it's it's unfair i've heard people that make more than the cutoff are getting stimuluses it's just it government cannot run anything that's what we see anytime it's a government thing. Look at our postal service, Rob. I mean, the, a check now takes, if you mail a check, it sometimes takes a week and a half to get there now. I mean, that's used to be a day. Yeah. 
Well, the, the, the government can't run anything. That's obvious. And, and governments are historically, when, when you centralize the government, it's called communism, you know, or socialism or whatever the catchphrase is. I mean, they're all similar. They're all just birds of a different feather flock together or whatever that saying is. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. But when you have centralized control, it's not really about helping people. Only really stupid people and Ivy League graduates are dumb enough to believe that. Uh, you know, centralizing power and in, in, in the government is there to, for the people to help the so-called people. It's really the centralized power and control for those that are in control, the Clintons of the world, the Obamas, these types of people, George Soros. They just want control of the world. I mean, literally is what these people are after. But, you know, unfortunately, the Russians and the Chinese and the religion of peace is going to have something to say about that. So this is where you're going to have you're going to have some kind of worldwide conflict at some point. I mean, it's just, it just can't happen. I mean, Bill Gates is not going to get to run the world. It's, it's just not going to happen. They're going to, they're, they sure are trying. And this is why you get this just abject hatred of Donald Trump, because Trump is basically in the United States, he's a populist or a United States nationalist. And, and you're dealing with people that really at, at their core really hate this country. Of course, I'm not going to say that on air, but that's, that's what they do. So this is why they're trying to get rid of Trump in the worst way, which apparently they've succeeded in doing, bringing Biden and merge us into some kind of new world order or great reset or whatever they're calling it. But it's just, it's insanity, Neil, is really what it boils down to. And as I mentioned, God's simple salvation plan is probably the best, your best bet at this point. I, I don't think these people can be stopped at this point. And again, that's boxofsunglasses.com is the website where you can find that. And of course, all my books, and I've written about all this, uh, this eventuality that we're, we're seeing, you know, come, you know, go live here on the international, on the national and the international stage. We're seeing it come live at this point. And it's, it's a little bit scary, to be honest. So what, where does the show go from here? to kind of talk more and more about what you predicted? What do you think? Well, basically, the United States has Mystery Babylon, and I have my Mystery Babylon ebook uh, on there. I'll try and maybe talk to you off the air about getting that, you know, published in a little more formal fashion, um, which does not bode well for the United States. And another... Uh, Another subject I wanted to talk about is Orwell's 1984. Now, he had this another bit of insanity um, buried in this, all the news that nobody's really talking about. Now, Nancy Pelosi apparently said you can't use the word mother, daughter, father, son, so anything that, that distinguishes between men and between men and women, you can't use those terms. I mean, she's she's off her rocker, this woman, but it, there's a much bigger point to it. And perhaps we can talk about that next week. Yeah. About what's going on with that, because there's a, there's a much bigger agenda. I know people have kind of looked at it and kind of laughed at it and whatnot, but there's a much bigger agenda behind that. And it's, it's out of Orwell's 1984. And, and people don't realize that, that these people really are, um looking to implement again it all goes back to centralized control and, and destruction of the family and destruction of the sexes and destruction of marriage and all this sort of thing and 
I got a I got a link on my site called 1984, and I and I just tabulate all these different aspects of it. We can talk about that next week. Yeah. I'll go through the. Uh, yeah. Go um, through the list because this is this is what these people are are really after. Again, it all it all it all harkens back to centralized control is really what these people want. They're not there to help the people. Again, only only Ivy League graduates are dumb enough to believe that if these people really have our, our best interests in mind, you know, the suckers believe that. But anyway, um, again, boxofsunglasses.com and God's Simple Salvation Plan is probably your best bet at this point. I, I don't see where this, this, this out-of-control freight train, I don't see where it stops at this point. No, I, I totally agree with you, and it's just crazy, and people need to check it out, and uh... – Rob, I appreciate you stopping by. Another great Robert Selly show. We'll talk soon, man. All right, Neil. Talk to you later. All right. That was the Robert Selly show, guys. Take care. God bless. We're back to Neil Haley's show here on the Author's Corner segment. And, you know, I'm really excited about my guest. So I'm excited to welcome the program. Michael Walsh, author of Last Stands, Why Men Fight. When all is lost, Michael, thanks for calling. And uh, a lot of people would resonate with that title, wouldn't they? Especially the, our times we're in right now. Well, I hope so because uh, thanks for having me on, Neil. I, I hope so because uh, it's a lesson that has held held fast and serviced uh, Western civilization very well for twenty five hundred years, and we're about to throw it into the trash if we haven't already. So it's kind of a meant as a wake-up call for traditional values, which I think are discarded at our great, great peril. I agree, for sure. But let's kind of go talk about your background first, and then we'll go into from there. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So tell me about yourself. Go ahead. Your background, Michael. Well, my background is uh, uh, I was born on the Marine Corps base in uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, which is near Jacksonville, North Carolina. And uh, grew up uh, in, as the son of a Marine Corps officer who had fought in Korea and uh, had landed at Incheon and fought uh, all the way up the Korean Peninsula to the Chosen Reservoir, where, as uh, many people know, there was a, a great battle uh, when the Marines were attacked by the Chinese and uh, surrounded and had to fight their way out of it. So th the subject of a last stand has kind of been in the back of my mind since I was a little kid. And now here, here it is, 70 years later, and I, I finally got a chance to write about it in the Last Stands, among many other battles, of course. Oh yeah, no, most definitely, I understand uh, for sure. And so, basically, based in that environment, you decided to write this book. What kind of like really was the tipping point for you for writing it? Uh, it's just something that bubbled up into my head. I'd written two, the previous two books uh, were a philosophical. Uh, examinations of Western culture and the, the roots of our problems, our, our self-doubt and, and our lack of belief in our own uh, traditions and our own accomplishments. That book is called The Devil's Pleasure Palace, which I just noticed on Amazon is completely sold out, uh, which is re very rewarding oh, for congrats. a yeah. book about yeah. philosophy mm -hmm. and, and opera and all kinds of uh, uh, recognized subjects. And then uh, the sequel to that was a book called The Fiery Angel, which was a celebration of Western civilization, again, through cultural artifacts. Uh, and that book is nearly sold out on Amazon again. 
So this is all good. And so then I just decided to kind of take my cultural focus on a slightly different or a completely different angle, which was to look at military uh, military history. And in particular, uh, the men who fought in last stands, uh, many of them didn't survive last stands. That's why they're called last stands. But some, like my father, did. So I had him, his story as the last chapter in the book. And I think the readers have found that very compelling and very interesting. And it's kind of fun for him at age 94 down to sort of get the oh, yeah. recognition of what he accomplished when he was 24. But it had to have been hard. He lost a lot of people on the last stand. I'm sure a lot of the people he fought right and left of him ended up dying, right? Well, some yeah, some did. The Marines came out of this battle pretty pretty good shape. I mean, they did lose a lot of a lot of men. But uh, they, the fact that the Marine Corps even exists today, this is important, Neil, uh, is because they won that last stand. Uh, most of the Marine Corps was in Korea at that point, and just prior to the Korean War, the there was a movement in Washington uh, to get rid of the Marine Corps entirely. They were going to just eliminate the service, uh, and as luck would have it, when the North Koreans invaded South Korea. June of 1950, uh, a lot of the Marines were still in Asia. They were in Japan. So the ones that weren't were brought there very quickly, including my dad. And then uh, they were reorganized and went into battle and distinguished themselves so much that afterwards there was no no thought of uh, eliminating the uh, devil dogs, as they're called. Absolutely. And so you touch upon the Marines. How important are the Marines to you? Uh, I don't really have an emotional answer to that question. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not uh, one, I, yes. even though I, I was I was born on the base. Yes, uh, and I've certainly grown up. My brother's an officer in the United States Navy, retired. So we're a military family. It's just part of the the you know, like I said, the water I swam in when I was a child. It's just I, I, obviously I, I love the Marines, and I'm very proud of having grown up in that tradition. What do you hope to get out of this book? What do you want your readers to learn most about and, and really take from this? No, I think it's that uh, even though we think we know things, we don't. And that's true of everything. So the only way to really uh, break through the osmosis barriers to go out, do the research, which I did for this book, uh, starting with the original Greek and Latin texts and working uh, my way up through uh, the Battle of Stalingrad, for example, and then the Chosen Reservoir. I, I think for a good example, this is the Custer chapter. Everyone thinks they know about Custer. Actually, most of what we know is probably not true or was filtered through some other lens. So I tried to give a picture of, of George Armstrong Custer uh, as he actually was, both as a Civil War hero, which he was. He was a celebrity of incredible magnitude. Uh, in the in the mid 19th century United States, uh, and what happened at the Little Bighorn, as seen both by the uh, Wasichus, the white men, and by the Indians who fought. So I relied uh, in part on Indian accounts of the battle, which had been collected and disseminated. And I think you get a very different picture of uh, George Armstrong Custer from the book. And I hope in all of the battles, uh, the readers will thrill to the descriptions of the fight, which is very bloody in some cases. Uh, and learn from the cultural uh, uh, resonance of these battles and the context and, and take away that we need men like, you know, it's like the, a few good men. We need these men on the wall. They, they are, we need walls and walls have men with guns and, 
and we want them on that wall. And that's the point of the book. And see, that's fantastic. And I love that. I love that fact in, in, in so many ways, again, the, the, that you have that point and why you wrote that book. And it really, especially if you're in the military, you have to read this book. And especially if you're a historian as well, because of what you're the research and the challenges that you went through. Uh, and I think that that's the challenge, right? When you're sitting down and write a book, how long did it take to write this? Well, it's, it's funny. I, uh, somebody, uh, it's, it's a common question, how long it takes to write a book. And I wrote a, a novel that won the American Book Award for Fiction in 2004 called And All the Saints, um, which is when you're Irish, you, you, Catholic, you grew up hearing your mother say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and all the saints. Well, it's a first-person fictional autobiography of a real person, a, a gangster called Oni Madden, who ran the Cotton Club in New York in, in the 1920s, among many other things. But people would say, how long did it take you to write the book? And I said, it took me seven years to write and seven weeks to type. So that's the difference. So, uh, most of the work you do is research. It's like in warfare, 90% of the Army is involved in logistics and cooks and uh, truck drivers and you know offloaders and everything but fighting. And so the actual combat in writing, for me, takes place over a relatively short period of time, sometimes as little as a month. In this case, probably more like six months uh, because the, it was just such, it's such a big book and, and so detailed. And I tried to make sure every, every fact in it was, was as correct as I could possibly ascertain. But it's, it's a fun process. But the research is the most important thing. And then you get the whole book in your head, which is what I do. And then I just type it. And that goes very quickly. See that's that's awesome, and I think that the that that the final process is the final part, and then you get the book out. So, where's the best place we can pick up, pick up the book? Where can they go? Where, tell us. Well, they can go to any bookstore, you know, if, if there are any open uh, these days. Uh, but certainly, uh, all the all the major sellers are online now. Um, it's on Amazon. Uh, it sold out on day one, by the way. Every oh, congrats! That's gone. fantastic. It, that just proves seven, you're a really good hours. writer. If it sold out that quickly, you are a really good writer. You have to look at that and say, "Wow." Well, I, I, yeah, I hope so. But it, it, it did. You know, we, it was unavailable there for a while, which is all, always hurts. You know, your sales. But we are now well reprinted and stock and uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, uh, your neighborhood bookstore. Uh, we'll have it, and uh, it's it's widely widely available now. So, well, congrats, uh, best of luck. People can people follow you in social media, especially you know to kind of ask questions yes. and stuff. Where can they go? I'm I'm, mm -hmm. I'm proud to say I was one of the first uh, major conservative voices in the United States kicked off of Twitter. So uh, I've uh, twice, as a matter of fact. So Holy they, they really have it in for me on Twitter. Yeah. So Twitter, if you're listening. Auf Wiedersehen, as we say in German. Uh, many people are leaving you, and I hope you go out of business. Uh, <laughs> I am also See, on Facebook, which yeah, is... Go, go well, ahead. Go ahead. What were you on Facebook? Uh, Facebook, you can find me. Uh, I'm, I'm Michael Walsh on Facebook, and you look to this number of people named Michael Walsh, uh, including a number of authors, but in, in my case, you will see the cover of Last Dance when you see see my name on Facebook. So, uh, people are, feel free to send me a friend request or, or just follow me on Facebook. That, that'll work too. And then you'll jump back on parlor when it comes back out. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if, if, if it ever comes back out, I mean, the, the social media purge is really quite serious. It I is think a, a truly. Lot of us who are, yeah. 
traditional conservatives are, are quite alarmed by it. I, I, I write a column for the Epic Times, and, and in the Epic Times this week, you can find it online, I've done a piece on social media censorship. And if I have a second here, I would just like to say, I think these companies are ripe for a huge lawsuit. Uh, one yes. is restraint of trade, monopolistic practices, and most important, I believe they're in violation of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. They are effectively public utilities and public accommodations, and they have no more right to kick people off their platforms than the southern, racist southern restaurant owners. All right. Well, thanks again for calling, and best of luck, sir, and great job. Okay. All the best. Take care. Thank you. You're welcome. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be okay. back in just a moment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.